Hello and welcome back to the Impulse Football Podcast. It's been a long time coming, but we are back. Lots of cha- lots of things have changed since the last episode. Uh, the Queen has celebrated her Royal Jubilee. Boris Johnson resigned and England women have become Euro champions. However, some things have remained an ever constant. Ipswich are still in League One and Spurs still refuse to win trophies. So let's hope that McKenna can get Ipswich playing this year and get us back to where we belong in the championship. However, if you were a regular on the podcast last year, you would be sort of familiar with James Beattie making ever-present appearance. However, we haven't got James Beattie this week. We've got a new person on the podcast, and his name is Richard. He's a mate of mine um, and a season ticket holder at West Ham. Now, we first became friends through cricket, but I've soon worked out that he quite enjoys his football as well. So welcome, Rich, to the Impulse Football Podcast. Hi, Matty. Yeah, good to be here. And as I, as I said, he's a big West Ham fan. So I thought the best way to start this podcast after such a long time off is just to talk to him about how he felt West Ham went last year, how he sort of sees it going this year and just generally how he feels about West Ham. So, Rich, were you happy of last year's performances? Obviously, you finished uh, seventh, two points off United in sixth which I think is a really good season. But what about what do you think about it all? Just give me a little overview of what you thought. Um, I think overall we had a good year. Um, I think going into it, I think everybody was a little bit worried. We had quite a thin squad. We were having to try and compete in Europe as well as the Premier League and the Cups. So that was always a bit of a worry. But yeah, I think we did very well. We maintained a good level in all the competitions. Um we got to two cup quarterfinals, um, a Europa League semi-final, and as you said, we finished uh, seventh. Um, obviously, it was a bit disappointing final game to to lose to Brighton and miss out on the Europa League again. So that was a bit of a, a frustration. But yeah, I mean, if you have offered me seventh place at the beginning of the year and a Europa League semi-final, I'd have probably taken it. But obviously, very disappointing to have lost um, the red card in the semi-final. Tough one to take again, and yeah. So hopefully we can we can do better this year. And even though even though we're not in the Europa League, we got the Europa Conference, which well that could be interesting. But yeah, hopefully for a good, another another good year coming up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you you sort of uh, focus on the red card being frustrating. Obviously, I think even if you weren't a West Ham fan, everyone sort of looked at that and thought it was exceptionally harsh. I think also a lot of fans also started back in West Ham and really wanted them to succeed because they were playing really good football last year. Obviously, you probably saw a lot more of it than the majority has been a season ticket holder. But um, I certainly kept an eye on their results. I was a big fan of Jad Bowen. I thought uh, he transformed your team uh, quite well. Obviously, everyone's aware of Declan Rice and the sort of the big part that he plays. And obviously, that will be a probably a bigger part, more as a leader, I assume, this year because of Noble obviously retiring. Um, but overall, yeah, I was, I was re- really, really impressed with the way that West Ham played. And you said that maybe that might be the base. And I would certainly see that as a base going forward. And as, as a minimum, that's what you should be achieving. Obviously, you've made uh, some some decent signings from what I've looked at. I had a little brief overview of it. Uh, Flynn Downs, obviously, that one stuck out to me early because obviously he's come from Ipswich. Uh, well, he went to Swansea from Ipswich and then come to you boys. And I know that you are getting a very, very, uh, very good midfielder there. Although, you know, he's still quite young, but he is a player that will put 110% in every single game. 
you may have to deal with him getting a few yellow cards and maybe the odd red card every now and then. Um, but he will give everything to, to, to the West Ham team. Um, he's good on the ball. He'll win the ball back. He's tenacious. So that one stuck out to me early. Um, obviously, you had Ariola last year um, on loan. I think you've purchased him now for 8.3 million, which I think is a really good bit of business. Um, and um, a new a new fellow uh, from Stard Ren, who has come for quite a lot of money. Um, but I think at the moment, tra- you know, the transfer market's inflated anyway. So I'm hoping for West Ham's sake that that 31.5 million, um, he- he'll be able to pay back quite quickly. The one that stuck out to me the most um, is the is the guy from um, from Italy? I think he came from. Yeah. Um, spent thirty two point four million on him, and I saw recently that Moyes described him as a as a rare talent, which I think is really really impressive. I looked at his stats from last year: sixteen goals in thirty six games, um, which I think's not a bad return. Um, and just a brief overview, a, a very strong player that enjoys the ball into his feet, competes very well in the air, but happy to run in behind and someone who certainly knows how to finish. And I think that's a big uh, upgrade potentially on Mikel Antonio. Um, I don't know what your opinions of Mikel Antonio are. I think he's probably a, a great, a great bloke. But every time I watch him, he, he, he seems to find it hard to finish. So, yeah, what do you think? <laughs> Mikel Antonio is a difficult one. He's... Every West Ham fan, they love him and they hate him. He's he works so hard. He he runs the channels well. He's a nightmare to defend. But the amount of the amount of goals that he could have scored that he just doesn't. He's incredibly infuriating. I I think having a striker that can put the ball in the back of the net is exactly what we need. And I'm hoping Skamaka will will be that player. And I think he may take a while to settle in, but. I think that he will be proved to be a very good signing for us. Um, among, also, Ariola had a good season last year, although he only played in Europe. Um, I I don't know what David Moyes would do, but I, I suspect he will be our number one this year ahead of Fabianski. Um, and I'm expecting a lot of good things from him. As you said, Flynn Downs looks a good young player. I don't expect him to play every game, but I'm sure he'll be a very useful addition. Um, Jared Bowen, Declan Rice, obviously fantastic players. Had a great year last year. I expect them to continue that. And I, I think Dawson, Craig Dawson and uh, and Zuma were were both players that didn't get enough credit. I thought they were both absolutely brilliant last year, especially when Bonner was out for the season, who's actually back this year. Um, and could be quite a good addition as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm very optimistic. And, and we've just signed um, Cornet from Burnley as well. Yeah, another very good player. Um, yeah, I think it will be the main issue last year. I think was goals at times, and I think that Skamaka could be the difference there. Well, that's what I'm hoping anyway. Yeah, you said about uh, Maxwell Cornet from Burnley. Obviously, Burnley getting relegated last year made it probably easier to access some of their players. Mm-hmm. But he's a he's a man that I've been really impressed with. A really really electric player, um, and as you say, goals were your problem last year. I think he will. He'll give you opportunities to get goals. Um, he may he may not get that many, but I do think he'll he'll open up the game for others. Um, it could be you know, obviously for your new signing. Um, but overall, yeah, I think as a West Ham fan, I'd be really really excited for the season coming up. Um, I think that David Moyes done a fantastic job. I think <clears throat> you alluded to a player there, Craig Dawson. I think when 
many, I think even West Ham fans, got to be honest, when you sign him, you think, really? But actually, he's probably probably one of the signings of the last you know few years. The he still he still plays most games. He's he's very solid at the back, but also he he puts himself around from corners. You know, he scores his scores goals, causes problems. So I think that's been a fantastic bit of business. I also looked at the players uh, that you've let go. Um, I don't know how many of these you're sort of unhappy to see go, but Yarmolenko, obviously, there was that sort of fairy tale stuff last year, obviously with what was going on in Ukraine and stuff. Um, but he's headed off to the UAE. Um, Ryan Fredericks has, has departed to go to Bournemouth. Masiaku has gone to Besiktas. And Alex Krull has gone to Moscow. So is there any any of them who you're sort of unhappy to see leave or are you sort of quite happy to get them out of the club? Um, well... I think, as you say, David Moyes deserves a lot of credit. He He's ultimately turned that team around. And the kind of football he plays is working very hard. And he only he, his signings are very particular. He, he wants a particular type of player that will work very, very hard. And <laughs> a few of these players that you've listed here that he's let go, perhaps were slightly lazy at times. I mean, Arthur Masuaku... When he first comes to the club, he did okay. But any West Ham fan will tell you he's defending. He's good going forward, but his defending is woeful at times, if I'm being completely honest. Um, Kral, that was a weird, weird signing. I mean, he barely played a game of football for us. And when he did, he looked way, way off the pace. Um, I saw him play one full game, I think, against Kidderminster. When he got run around the park by a non-league team, um, which was just told you everything you needed to know, really. Um, Yarmolenko, as you say, bit of a fairy tale story when he scored that goal against Villa, and then again in the Europa League semi-final or quarter-final, sorry, was it last sixteen in the Europa League game against Villa? Yeah. Uh, it was. It was. I was there, and it was a, a really magical moment, and it was almost like you couldn't write it, and. He always have a, a place in the heart of West Ham fans, but it, it was time to go. He he wasn't the player that he once was, unfortunately. Um, he had an absolute wonder of a left foot. He scored some brilliant goals, but not quite good enough in the Premier League, unfortunately. No, um, yeah, come cool. And Ryan Fredericks. I mean, I always said he he's a he's a useful defender. He gets out of trouble a bit because of his pace. He's very 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 quick. Um, but I, I can't say I'm surprised to see any of them go um, at all, really. No. no, and I think arguably the most important one that might that might sort of be proven to be the most important one would be um, Noble uh, retiring. And obviously he didn't play a lot last year, but I do get the feeling that his leadership skills and the sort of way that he probably can get a dressing room going might be lost a little bit. Obviously, I assume that he'll still be something to do with the club. I don't know whether he's been given sort of a coaching role or, you know, any other sort of role. But I think that's sometimes forgotten the sort of the effect that uh, a born leader or a leader to sort of that degree can can have on a dressing room. And, and it can give you that extra 5-10% that can ultimately win you points in games. And, and just having that sort of person to keep the group together can be so important. So I don't know, do you think you'll, you'll miss... Um, Noble this year or do you think that some of the other players will be able to take over that sort of leadership role? I think you're right as a footballer he perhaps wasn't the player he was 
in, in kind of the last couple of years. He still did a job at times, but yeah, a bit off the pace. But yeah, as a leader, he's he's irreplaceable. He's Mr. West Ham. He's he loves the club. The fans love him. He's just he just you just don't get that in modern football anymore. Um, but I, from my understanding, he will still be in and around the club in a coaching capacity. So hopefully, we won't miss him too much. And I guess it's time for Declan Rice to step up as club captain and and show what not only a good footballer he is, but what a good leader he can be. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about the sort of the the level that Declan Rice can go to. Obviously, a lot of the big clubs have uh, already started making a few sort of uh, movements about maybe looking to sign him at some point. Um, I think he'll be a mainstay of the England set up for the for the for the next sort of ten years. I think he's definitely um, potential England future captain, and I, just, I I love watching him play. I think, um, obviously, being an Ipswich fan, um, I went and watched uh, a West Ham game when I had a week off Ipswich, and and I actually did for the first twenty minutes just watch his movement around the pitch, and that was, it was actually fascinating to watch the way that he the way he moves around the pitch. He's always on the move, you know. He's never standing still. He's always got his head up, looking around, and he's already knowing sort of where everyone is before the ball's into his feet and the, the, the pace that he plays, his passes, I just think it really sort of stuck out to me as, you know, as the best player on that pitch by a mile. Um, and I think he'll only get better. Um, and I'm hoping that him sort of taking on the captaincy will allow him to push his game even further forward and hopefully prove to the rest of the country that sort of he can maybe be that next England captain. Um, you know, when Harry Kane maybe uh, gives it up at some point. But yeah, no, I'm really, really hopeful for uh, West Ham this sort of season. And that sort of leads me on to my next question. What do you think is sort of the realistic aim for West Ham this year? Um, It's a good question. I think that not being in the Europa League might help. Um, I mean, if you look at what happened last year, we ended up playing a lot of football. And we on the Sundays where we have, where we played on a Thursday, we lost a lot of football games. So anyone that says that playing Thursday, Sunday didn't have an impact, they're wrong, because it definitely does. Um, but, I mean, we will be playing Thursday, Sunday, but in the Europa Conference, when I think we could get away with a few more younger players, and yeah, so I think it'll be a little bit more easier to rotate the squad, and we have a bit more, we have a bit of a bigger squad this year as well. Um, where do I think we can come? I think top six is realistic. Uh, I think I think it'll be tough. I, I think we'll be there or thereabouts pushing for top four. I don't think we've quite got the team yet to get top four, but I think we'll be there or thereabouts pushing for European spots. And that's yeah, what I'm no, I think obviously as a West Ham fan, you probably look as you've strengthened over the summer, so surely last year's benchmark, you should be trying to improve on that. So I, I would, I would agree. I think that you're probably not quite at the level yet to get top four, but certainly, you know, you you could be hoping for a top six finish, and I can't see that as um, sort of unrealistic um, sort of expectations. And I think that sort of moves me on to my next question to a degree, moving slightly away from West Ham, but it's still sort of relevant, I guess, is I think the league this year could potentially be the most competitive it's ever been. And I know that someone sort of, everyone sort of says that every single year, oh, this year's mm. going to be the closest league ever, blah, blah, blah. But I do generally think it will be. Um, and, you know, normally a team runs away of it and has an atrocious, or, you know, a team has an atrocious season. But I just can't see that this year. Obviously, City have strengthened by 
bringing in Haaland um, and Calvin Phillips, but have let Sterling go, which I think is an interesting one. I think the one person that's probably looking at that more than most is uh, Jack Grealish. Um, being brought for 100 million, not setting the world alight uh, in that season. Um, and Sterling, who who probably didn't play as much as he would want to and, has, and in the end has had to go to Chelsea to probably uh, play more games. I actually generally thought he had an OK season. Um, and what's, what that is telling me is that probably that they are putting a lot more pressure on Jack Grealish to succeed this year. And he needs to start paying that 100 million price tag back. So that'll be interesting to see whether he does that. Obviously, Liverpool have brought um, Nunes in, but have left uh, let Mane go. And I think that could be one of the biggest transfers um, for this season because Mane, he is used to the Premier League. His goal record is like second today. He's fantastic. Um, some Liverpool fans I've spoken to are actually saying he's more important and more fundamental to their side than Salah, which I think is a massive statement. Um so that will be interesting to see how that pans out. Spurs have signed a lot of good players. Um, Basuma being one, um, I think he's a very, very good player. Um, so I'm very sort of interested to see how he goes. Um, Spence, the right back, obviously on loan last year um, and had rave reviews about him. Um, but Arsenal as well, I think, have signed some really good players. And I know you can't look into pre- pre-season too much, but... Jesus has been banging in goals. Zinchenko, I think, is a very, very underrated player. Captain of his country of Ukraine at a very young age. Obviously, had a lot of uh, experience being coached by uh, Pep Guardiola, who I would consider is probably one of the top three managers in the Premier League era. Um, and I think that Arsenal could really put down a marker this year. I, I'm not saying they'll win the league. But I think that listen to pundits and listen to uh, sort of a few other sort of football experts. I think they're they're back and also have a good season. So I'll be interested by them. I think United are just an unknown quantity. Who knows what they could do? They could easily, you know, succeed this year. Or I I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of finished outside the top eight. Um, and Chelsea are a really interesting one for me. I think that they've signed some really good players. They've signed Kudabali, who I think is a cracking centre-half. Um, Kukurela from uh, from Brighton, a very, very good defender. But they seem to be linked with a lot of defenders um, and not a lot else. And that confuses me. I know that they're going to play, you know, your three, your three at the back, three centre-halves and build from there. But for me, if I was a if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be screaming out for a goal scorer. I mean, Lukaku didn't do it last year and and has left, but Werner didn't look like he was going to score many. And I do, I do fear for Chelsea a little bit that maybe they maybe uh, might miss that goal scorer. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I agree. I I think having an out and out goal scorer is quite important. Um, I mean, obviously, Man City played with a false number nine and did it very well, but they've got obviously got a lot more goal scorers, a lot more, perhaps a slightly more quality than Chelsea have at the moment. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they do go. Um, I agree with you that um, Liverpool letting Mane go could be an interesting one. I mean, Nunes is a bit of an unknown quantity. I mean, he scored 34 goals in all competitions last year, but in the Portuguese league, it, it's it's a massive step up. Um, to replace Mane is a big, big task. 
So I don't know how Liverpool will go, but I, I fully expect Man City to win it. Um, I think Haaland will take a bit of time to warm, but I think once they get going, I think they should be unstoppable. Um, I really, as a West Ham fan, this pains me, but I really like the look of the Tottenham team this year. I think Richarlison is a really clever signing. And I think with Son and Kane and then Kulievsky as well, I think they are a formidable team under Conte. They could be a very good side, and I fully expect them to get top four this year. Um, yeah, Chelsea, as you, as you rightly say, a bit of an unknown quantity. Um, I'm not really sure how they're going to go. Um, I think they will have enough quality to get top four, but I'm sure Arsenal, West Ham, maybe even Man United will be snapping away at their heels to try and, try and push them all the way. It's a it's a bizarre conversation to now have that we think even Man United could get top four, like, and that might show how far they've fallen. You know, it was a banker every year that Man United would be top two, and now we're questioning whether even they'll get top four. So I think that shows sort of the mess that uh, Man United may be in. Um, obviously, it's no secret that Cristiano Ronaldo is throwing his toys out of the pram at the moment, and I can't see that as a beneficial thing just before the start of the season. Um, they've signed a few decent players, I'd say. Um, left back looks pretty decent. Um, but, you know, they've been trying to sign De Jong for, for months and got nowhere. And, you know, the season starts tomorrow for for them or Sunday. I can't remember which, which day they're planning on. But it can't be beneficial to the squad not knowing quite who's, who's going to be in, who's going to be out. Ronaldo, is he going to be sort of wanting to play is he not wanting to play so I think I I, I would hate to be in the, sort of the Man United camp currently um, but that isn't to say that you know that something might click with them and Ten Hag might get them playing who knows I think one team that we haven't discussed and I really look at them this year as a, as a concern uh, for me uh, who could crash the top four or it's certainly the top six um, is Newcastle um, I think they've made some uh, two very good signings in uh, Nick Pope. I think he's an, a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, I would argue he could be sort of England number one, really, um, arguably. And um, a bit of an unknown quantity in Botman, but from all accounts, he's a, a cracking centre-half and a centre-half that a lot of the top sides were looking at. And he's chosen to go to Newcastle, so that'll be interesting. Um, there's also reports that... Um, uh, Newcastle are going to come back in for uh, James Madison, um, who I think is a fantastic player, and I think he would he would add goals to them. He would add um, creativity to that side, and I think also it's very important that Callum Wilson stays fit. I think he's a fantastic. I think, uh, I think Newcastle will be a very good team this year. Um, they've got some very good players. Um, I mean, they're kind of. An unknown quantity in some ways. They had a very good back end of last season under under Eddie Howe, who I think is a very good manager. Um, I think they will continue to excel. I don't think they're quietly pushing the European spots yet, but I expect them to finish top half of the table. I think they've got some very good signings. I think Nick Pope in particular is a very good signing. Every time I've watched him play Burnley at West Ham, he's pulled off some absolute worldies. So, I, I really rate him very highly. Uh, truthfully, I think he should be England's number one. Uh, that's a discussion for another day. Um, but, yeah, I, I really do think Newcastle will be there or thereabouts um, in the top half. 
Yeah, and I think they'll I think they'll do some damage to some of the big teams as well. They'll take points off them. They'll they'll ruffle them up because they're they're quite a strong side, as we were saying before. We we're, we're both quite a big fan of uh, Bruno Gomez, who was linked with a lot of the big sides, and he looks like an absolute Rolls Royce of a midfielder. He gets around the pitch nicely. He passes the ball well. He retains it well. He doesn't make many mistakes. He just looks like he could really add a lot of steel to that midfield. And I think um, teams who are successful often have a very, very strong spine. So goalkeeper, centre-half, centre-midfielders and your strikers. And I think, you know, with Pope in goal, you've got, as we said before, Botman as a centre-half they've purchased. Bruno Gamerez, um being sort of purchased last year. Um, if Callum Wilson can stay fit, if you add James Madison, I can see him doing some damage and I, I wouldn't mind seeing it either. Um, you know, and they'll certainly be going sort of towards the top half of the table Whereas when Eddie Howe took over last year, they were sort of languishing at the bottom half somewhere. So, um, yeah, I would be surprised if they're sort of finished below 10th this year, really. Um, but Just, just a word on, it, on just a word on Eddie Howe. I, I think teams like Newcastle, it's very easy to go for kind of the big name manager, kind of the manager who you think is going to turn you into a world-class team overnight. But I think Eddie Howe's a very, very good manager. What he did at Bournemouth was unbelievable. And I think in the position they were in, I don't think they could have picked a better man. I think in that kind, in that kind of position, him, I think Graham Potter's a world-class manager as well. Um, I think I, I don't know how far he can take them. It'll be interesting to see whether he can, if he gets some really big names in the future, whether he can take them on to winning the league down the line. I mean, that's a long way. We're talking a long way down the line, but yeah, I think he's a really good manager. I like him a lot. Yeah, and he seems to come across really well. He seems to come out across quite calm. He doesn't complain a lot. From what I've seen, you know, he he gets on with it. He doesn't find excuses for for, for poor performances. He'll take the the pressure off the players by, you know, by saying it was his responsibility. So I think I would, he's the sort of manager that I would like to play under. And and going forward, I think he will do well for them. And you know, you you spoke about uh, Bournemouth just then. Um, he's obviously managed Bournemouth, and they they're new to the uh, Premier League again this year. Um. I think when I was looking at sort of who I think might struggle this year, I have identified them as a team that I think may struggle. Um, they haven't made many signings of note. They've kept it quite uh, quite quiet in the transfer window. Obviously, they're a small club. Um, and I, I, I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for them. I like the way they've played football. When they've come to Portman Road, uh, when they're in the championship with Ipswich, I like the way that they played. But I do look at it and I think they'll struggle uh, this year. Um, and I would tip them to go down. Similar uh, with Fulham as well. I think obviously they're new to the Premier League again this year. I think they've made slightly better business and they've conducted some good deals. I think getting Leno from Arsenal is a massive signing. Um I think a lot of Arsenal fans are sort of 50-50 on when, when Leno was at the club as to who should be number one, whether it was him or Ramsdale. Um, and to secure his services for seven million is a fantastic bit of business, and I think he will gain them some points this year. Um, they've signed Andres Pereira from uh, Man United. He's he's a good player. I think I've seen glimpses of him, but I'm not sure he's the sort of player 
that Fulham are going to need for a sort of a relegation battle. He's sort of an attacking midfielder. You know, he, he does some fancy stuff quite well, but he doesn't get in and around the pitch and, you know, and really fight for fight for the ball. And, and you know, I don't think he's the sort of player that they'll need. Um, but one interesting thing for Fulham, I think, this year is whether Mitrovic can replicate his form from the Championship to the Premier League. He scored 40-plus goals last year in the Championship. Um, and he's a fantastic player, all-round player, good in the air, muscles people off the ball, great finisher. Um, but when they were previously in the Premier League, he didn't score many at the start and then soon was dropped from the Premier League team. And I just wonder whether he'll find the same struggles again this year. Um, I would yeah. be surprised if Fulham don't go down this year. I just, as I say, I just don't think that they've got enough. Um but the one team that's really interesting me as to how they'll do this year is Nottingham Forest. Um, they've obviously one of the teams that have come out from the Championship. Um, they were taken over from Steve, uh, by Steve Cooper um, when they were very near the bottom, if not the bottom. Um, and I've never seen a transformation quite like it. They were the most feared team to play in the Championship. No one to play them. They've then come up to the Premier League and they haven't done what the other two have done. They've actually signed uh, 12 players and they're not just sort of 12 sort of average players. You know, they've signed uh, Jesse Lingard, um, which I think could be a very, very attractive signing if he can find the same form as he had at West Ham. You'll obviously be able to sing his praises of how good he was at West Ham. Um, But if he can find any sort of form like he did for there, that'll be a fantastic signing. They've signed Nico Williams, um, again, very solid right back. Harry Toffolo, a very solid left back. They've signed a boy from uh, Union Berlin who scored 21 in 64 games last year. Again, looks like a very well-rounded striker. Um, and I think with uh, Steve Cooper in charge, I think they've got a very good chance of avoiding relegation and, and pushing up that table. Um, so I just wanted your opinion on those three teams, Fulham, Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth, and whether or not you think they can survive or whether you think they could even do better. Uh, I agree with you about Bournemouth. I've, I've got them down to finish bottom here. I, I don't think they've signed enough players. I don't think they're going to be good enough. But I have a soft spot for Bournemouth as well. I, I, love, I love the way they play football, but I don't think they're going to be good enough. Fulham, I mean... They're very much a yo-yo team. Um, I agree with what you said about Mitrovic. I mean, he's proven time and time again that he's a very good championship striker, but every time he comes up to the Premier League, he's fallen short and proven he's not quite at that level. Um, They may also struggle. Um, Nottingham Forest is an interesting one. You're right, they have signed a lot of good players. Um, Obviously, Jesse Lingard. As a West Ham fan, there's, there's mixed feelings there. He, he did a very good job for us. Very, very good player. But I guess there's some bitterness about the way everything happened in the transfer window and whether whether he's gone for the money. Signing a one-year contract of 200000 a year, you have to question whether it's just something, whether it's for the money or whether he actually wants to achieve something more in football. And I think that's my question about Nottingham Forest, really. I, I think that they've signed a lot of good players, but I think we've seen before that just signing players doesn't make you a good team overnight. Uh, it, could, it, could, it could take a while for the players to gel, and, and that will be the key. If they gel, you're right, they could be a very good team, very difficult to beat, or they could just fall apart. And it, it could go either way for them, I think. Um, there's also a couple of other teams that 
I'd like to mention who I think could be could struggle a bit this year. I think Brentford. Uh, it's that second year. I think. I think they they did okay last year. They've obviously lost Ericsson now. Um, that that kind of second year is really important. I think because uh, there's been a few teams in past years who have struggled in that second year. I remember Sheffield, you know, uh, Sheffield United really struggled in that second year. Um, and. Uh, and Huddersfield did as well a couple of years ago, two years back. I think they may find it a bit more difficult this year, I feel. And the other team, I think, is Leeds as well. I mean, they, they, they weren't far off being relegated last year and they've let their two best players go in, Rafinha and Smith. So you, you have to wonder whether they're going to be good enough to stay up. Absolutely. And it's very interesting. So you've we've obviously spoken about you know, the three that have been promoted and then you've brought two more teams to the party. I've actually got another two teams that I had down on my list who I think might struggle. <coughs> and I don't necessarily think they'll get relegated, but I, I think there's a potential that one of these two could be dragged into a relegation battle and I'll explain why. First one is Leicester. Now, that is going to sound remarkably interesting to many people, but I think when you look at uh, their business and what they've done, or actually lack of business... Um, I'm not saying they're going to get relegated, but I think Leicester, Leicester could be in a bit of trouble here. The only player that they've so far signed isn't actually a signing. He's just returned from loan. Um, and that's Dennis Pratt and arguably not the biggest name uh, to come back from a loan. But what they have lost is they've lost Casper um, Smichael. He's gone to Nice. There's talks of Wesley Fofana uh, exiting to go to Chelsea. Um there's still rumours around Dan that Yuri Tielemans is going to leave to go to Arsenal. Jamie Vardy, obviously a fantastic striker and his story is absolutely amazing. But he's another year older. And whether he'll be able to bang in the regular goals is a question. And James Madison, as we mentioned before, is still linked with Newcastle. And it goes back to what I was saying a minute ago, that for a team to be successful, I think you need a, uh, a, a sort of a solid base. So when you leave... Uh, when you sort of take away the keeper of Casper Schmeichel's uh, levels, I think that's a massive, massive loss. Um, from all accounts, he's amazing in the dressing room as well. Massive, massively good leader. Um, so to lose him is is a big loss. I think Fafana is arguably one of the best up-and-coming young centre-backs. Obviously, last year was disappointing because of his uh, tragically bad leg break. Um in pre-season so we didn't see the best of him last year but the season before he looked like a serious serious player Yuri Tielemans as a number 8 is one of the in my opinion one of the most underrated number 8s in the league I think he he covers all bases he's got a bit of pace he's, he scores goals he, he tackles well he passes the ball well moves it quickly so I think if they were to lose him obviously I said Vardy uh, with another year could could lose a little bit of pace but Although that's not to be proven yet, because every year I think oh, he might show this year he, he's still he's still one of the quickest players in the league. Um, and James Madison, I think every team or any successful team needs that creative midfielder. And I think sometimes James Madison still goes under the radar. I I was quite shocked by his statistics last year. They were actually far better than I than I than I thought. He scored fourteen goals and seventeen assists, and I think that's that's actually a very very good return for a player who wasn't actually always in the starting eleven. Um, so I actually think Leicester will struggle. I think that's one team. And Everton. I still can't see how Everton are gonna are gonna do any better than last year. Um they've signed two decent players in Dwight McNeil 
who I've always been a big fan of. Again, come from Burnley, being relegated, so they got him a little bit cheaper. And I like him as a winger, but he's not a player that's going to drag you up the league. Um, and James Tarkovsky. Now, I am a big fan of James Tarkovsky. He's a very good centre-half. Um, he's not the most glamorous of centre-halves, but he actually might be what Everton need. Someone who's going to put his head on things. Someone who's going to... No nonsense. Big tackles. Uh, I reckon he'll lead, lead that back four well. Um, but actually, that's not where I'm concerned for them. I'm more concerned by the fact that they've let Richarlison go, um, who was scoring a few goals from last year. And the news yesterday was that Dominic Calvert-Lewin's out for the first six weeks. So I just can't see where they're going to score their goals. And as we said, alluded to before, Chelsea are going to struggle, in my opinion, because of the lack of goal scorer. Everton even more so. At least, you know, Chelsea are getting a few goals from midfield, you know, with Mount, Havertz, etc. But I just can't see how Everton are going to win any games without without any goals. So they're, they're be my two that I think could, could surprisingly struggle this year. Obviously, Everton are less surprising because they struggled last year, but I could see them struggling this year. I don't know what you think about those two. Yeah, I mean, Leicester is a really interesting one. I mean, obviously, they've been kind of a top-half team for the last few years. Um, a, a very good side. But yeah, you're right. If they lose... I mean, if they do lose Tillemans and Madison, I think they are... They're not going to go down, but I think they're certainly a bottom half team. Um, and Everton, I, I agree. I think Tarkovsky is a very good player, good signing. It might help them at the back, but you're right. Without Richarlison and Calvert Lewin, I, I don't know where they're going to score goals. They they weren't exactly banging them in last year. Um, but I mean, this year it could be it could be a problem for them. You're absolutely right. Uh, yeah. I do, I, as I say, as you, as you rightly pointed out there, they weren't. It wasn't exactly that with blessed goals last year. You get rid of Richarlison, who is guaranteed some goals. So that was a, that was a, a bizarre, a bizarre sort of uh, transfer for me because I thought they must have something in the lines that could sort of cover cover for Richarlison, and no one's come in. And then Calvert Lewin, who was in and out last year with injury, but. Again, will score you goals is now injured. So I would imagine that the Everton Everton hierarchy are on on the phone now, trying to find some replacements because I can't see how they're gonna how they're gonna be able to play without a striker. And I'll be very interested to see who starts up front for them first game of the season. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think as I said before, I think at both ends of the table, I think there's some really really interesting sort of uh, conversations to be had. I don't think it's as easy as getting one, two, three, four, or your bottom three, but. I'm going to put you on the spot now and say, I want a top four from you and a bottom three from you, please. Right. So, top four, I think Man City will win it. I think they're far too good and I think they will win it at a canter. Um, I think Liverpool will finish second. Uh, I think Tottenham will finish third. Fourth was difficult. I think Chelsea just about going to scrape it ahead of Arsenal and West Ham. Yeah, interesting. And I think my top four, and I'm doing this before the Arsenal game, is going to be uh, Man City first, Liverpool second. So I'm going to go, I'm actually going to be controversial. I'm going to go Arsenal third, Spurs fourth. Um, I think that, I do really think that Jesus will make a big difference to Arsenal this year. I think Saka and Martinelli, Erdegaard, all one year old and more experienced. Erdegaard's the new captain. I think he'll enjoy that responsibility. So I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going to go with Arsenal third, Spurs fourth. I think 
um, that Chelsea will finish fifth, personally, and West Ham, I think, could finish sixth. Um, and United, remarkably, as I said before, could finish outside the top six again. So, yes, that's interesting. And your bottom three, please. Yeah, this is more difficult. Uh, I mean, as we've alluded to, there are there are a lot of teams there, I think, could be banging trouble. I mean, you did make me think about Everton, but I think oh, oh, Everton's a tough one. But I'm going to leave them out for the moment. I put Bournemouth to finish bottom. I think they're banging trouble. I think Fulham 19th, and I put Leeds to go down 18, 18. Yeah, I think I think we're both going to agree on the bottom two. Um, I've gone Bournemouth in 20th, uh, Fulham in 19th, and I've gone um, or I've gone for Everton. I just think I think they're in banging trouble, and I think I think Frank Lampard will be the first manager to leave as well. I think um, it won't take a lot for him to be sacked. Um, but I could I, I completely agree with you as well I could see Leeds being dragged into it and Brentford and everyone else and I think that's what makes it very interesting this year I don't think there's a there's a there's a guaranteed answer to it I don't think you know the top four is guaranteed I don't think the bottom three is guaranteed and I think every team will be fighting for that extra position so I do think it'll be a fantastic season obviously this is being recorded just before the uh, Arsenal uh, Crystal Palace game tonight um, I think it's a, it's a cracking fixture to open the season um, anyone who's been to Crystal Palace knows that uh, the home fans at Crystal Palace are mental um, and it's not the game that you want to be playing first up as an away side um, I think that it'll be a good game um, obviously Conor Gallagher's gone back to Chelsea um, so I think that'll be a big miss but I do think it'll be a close game tonight um, just want a quick prediction I'm going for a 2-1 Arsenal win and what about you? I, I I really like Patrick Vieira. Um, I think Crystal Palace are going to win 2-1. There we go. Controversial. And I think either 2-1, either, either way, wouldn't be a big surprise. And, you know, I think even Arsenal fans, I, you know, I've been working with a few Arsenal fans today, and they said, oh, it's, it's the ultimate game. You, I, I'd rather play Man City first game season than Crystal Palace because he thinks you can catch Man City on a, on a, you know, early on the season, on a Saturday. But with That's Crystal what I'm hoping yeah, well, uh, and you're quite lucky to have them, I think. I think I wouldn't mind having the first fixture. But catching Christopher Unlight, first game of the season, at home, I think is a, is a horrible fixture. But ultimately, these are the sort of fixtures that Arsenal will need to win if they want to finish top four. So I think it'll be a good, a good tester for Arsenal to see whether they've got that resilience to bounce back from last year. Obviously, losing, losing badly to Crystal Palace at the end of the season when the top four was in their hands. And it will show the sort of resilience they've They've developed hopefully over the over the um, close season, and and will and it will set them up for a, hopefully a good start to the season. But yeah, I think it will be a, a cracking game. I'll certainly be watching it, and and we'll see how we go. But no, um, I've been uh, I've loved having this chat with you on on the podcast tonight, and um, I think you've made me consider some interesting things, and I'll keep an eye out on you know on those Leeds and Brentfords that you've suggested, and obviously I'll keep an eye out as well on West Ham, and and hopefully see him sort of top top sort of five top six and hopefully for the rest of the season you know you'll you'll come back on and we can discuss some of the predictions that we've made tonight yeah well thank you for having me i've i've enjoyed it and hopefully some of my predictions prove accurate <laughs> well yeah hopefully the uh the view, the listeners will be able to uh well they can share their comments and see what, who they agree more with myself or you and um and we'll, we'll see we'll see ultimately how it pans out but no i appreciate uh, your time and um, yeah, hopefully I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, mate.